Hi everyone, and welcome to Preparing for Launch, where we chat about the space sector through entertainment, education, advice, and insight. Today we have Stephen George from Ariel Space speaking about engineering and his career change into the space sector. Steve works as a space systems engineer at STFC Ariel Space. He currently works on a variety of projects from TVAC test campaigns, phase A and B mission studies, supports the preparation and delivery of robotic exploration field trials, and helps project manage proposals towards using satellite imagery for mine action in Cambodia. Minus X minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. So what made you decide to study the subject that you chose and was it an easy decision to kind of going back into life? Oh, damn, that's a, that's a yeah. big question. What, I mean, <laughs> where did right you into this. Because right it's been a bit of a roller coaster to, to get where I've been. Um, I guess I'll start at A-levels because that's kind of where it started. Um, now, I was typically speaking, I wasn't really... I like space. Space was great, but it was it was almost out of reach. It felt out of reach because all I thought a career in space meant was astronomy. Um, and quickly during my degrees, I found out I wasn't really interested in research. I was more interested in that engineering side of things. Um, but back in A-levels, I was actually more interested in woodworking and product design. So during my GCSEs, I did a, a, a nice rocking horse type project uh, and then I took that kind of experience into my A-levels and, and started doing that there. But it ended up being that my, my, my teacher was not too fun. And he basically made me hate the subject in the end. Um, I've still kept the skill. So I've still kept it. Um, I still occasionally make um, sculptures and stuff um, that I've previously sold and, and whatnot. It's more of a hobby now. But I then needed kind of like a backup which was physics, because I really enjoyed maths, um, but I wanted something a bit more apl applicable and applicable in the real world. Um, physics, physics was kind of that at the time. Um, so I ended up doing that for my first master's degree at Nostrum Trent. Um, I enjoyed it, and I went through a huge variety of possible ideas for career directions, uh, and I eventually landed on nuclear fusion and, and nuclear energy type physics. Um, so I took those as, a, as, a, as my two favorite topics to carry forwards. Uh, and so I kind of chased that for a little while, but again, didn't really come to anything. And then I got kind of caught up in the whole, I need to get a job or I'm going to be employed. So I kind of rushed into my first job. And so straight out of uni, um, I was working with recruitment agents to try and get me a job. And I've got my first job in an infrared optics manufacturer where I was designing um, infrared imaging systems and mechanical systems for laser manufacturing applications. Uh, and I was there for a couple of years. Um, but that was kind of my first taste of engineering. 
I mean, at this stage, I'm still reading about space, quantum physics, nuclear physics. I was still interested in that side of stuff. And that job was, it was a really good job. They paid me well, great team, um, but it wasn't quite bold enough for me. Um, so from a very, very young age, I actually competed in badminton internationally Wait. and nationally. Wait, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's insane. Um, so probably from about age of 10 to oh. 21 or 22. And I used awesome. to train, you know, five or six days a week. Um, so it was very serious. So for a lot of period of my life, or the early stages of my life at least, I still had that in the back of my mind that I could take that as a career almost until university started and everything started getting a bit more serious and realizing that um, at least a badminton career wasn't really a career aspect. But I, I built that kind of taste for the grind, hard work uh, and that sort of thing. So I ended up being ambitious in a role I couldn't really push. Um, and so I was then faced with this decision to make, to find a new job in the space sector or a similar sector that was bold and satisfying. But um, the thing was for the past three or four years before this decision, I was applying for all the grad schemes, all the other jobs, and I wasn't getting anywhere. And then I realized that maybe I need something a bit more specialist because physics, I don't know if you've been told this before, but when I was choosing physics, I was told that if you choose physics, you can pretty much go anywhere you want. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. Which, <laughs> yeah. Which is, I mean, which is fair. You can't, you sort of, with the knowledge, you can sort of go anywhere, but you're going to be chosen um, under someone who has very specific experience in that particular field. So I knew I kind of needed to improve my knowledge in, in this case, space systems. Um, and so I was then looking at perhaps university courses again. And that's when I found the Cranfield uh, master's course. Now, so I, I then got accepted to it because I did apply for it. But I, I held this, this, um, I held this offer and at that point in my life, I had a good job, got paid well. At the time, I was living with my parents, so I was actually saving quite a lot of money. Um, but then at the same time, it's going back to university, becoming a student again. And also, the, not only am I making like an emotional commitment and investment into this career direction, but also a financial one, because student finance wouldn't cover my finances. So all my savings would have to go onto this master's course, right? Um, and then obviously I have to take a year out of work. Uh, so so there's, there was all these decisions to juggle with. It's a, it's a hu it was quite a big risk, um, but I thought I need to take a risk if you want to be in a job that you love. Yes, sorry to sound like cheesy and cliche, but part of the space sector is just like going outside your comfort zone and taking risks and yeah from the actual astronauts themselves to us it's just a risky industry yeah uh, and especially if i mean there's lots of different engineering disciplines as well and i feel like some of them are very unique and specialist so if you want to become a space systems engineer or, or to start designing space missions 
that's pretty niche. You know, I mean, you can do like mechanical engineering and then you can become a mechanical engineer in the space sector. But as you go and choose your, your, the degree you're going to be studying, you don't really think that far ahead and think, well, I can actually be a person that designs spacecraft and puts them into space. Like it's not really a well-defined career path that is offered to students early on to find the masters at Cranfield. Cause I had no idea. So I had this really risky decision to make whether to um, basically go back to being a student, uh, taking a year out of work and just completely redirecting myself in my career. Although I wasn't really on a career path anyway, but um, about a year prior to that, I was really reading and looking into some of the NASA blogs. Cause I knew that, this being two years at my old job, I knew that I had to make a big career change or a big step in my career if I wanted it to go in the right direction. Yeah. Um, and obviously that's, that entailed some risk. So I was keeping up with the space industry at that point. And I, so I held this offer as well. And I recognized that and I, at this time I was indecisive, right? I didn't know whether it was the correct decision. Uh, and then I watched the Falcon Heavy debut launch yeah. like I, I had it there I got my parents watching and I was watching it and the moment like both those boosters landed simultaneously I nearly cried it was just so awesome I've and cried I, during launches before we all do it's like one of you guys that does so cool and I, oh. from that moment yeah I knew that's exactly what I wanted to do yeah. and then from there on it's just been steamrolling ahead with everything and I think as well that's we talked about like the exact moment you knew. I feel like we all, saying like everyone I know in the space sector, had that moment when they're like, this is cool. Like, this is what I want to do. Like, there's nothing else. And then when you when you decided you wanted to go into space sector, there's like no other options. You just like, everything else is just so mediocre compared to that. <laughs> like, in, in your mind, for at least for us, you know, it's just like everything is right. just so cool. Like, look at my... Big cool factor attached to it, yeah. especially <laughs> once you kind of really emotionally attach yourself to the industry. It's yeah. one of those ones that just suck you in and just keep you. Because it's oh. how can you leave it now? Exactly. Space, it's space exploration. You're designing missions. So. Oh, I can't imagine. God, I'm so lucky that I love this because if I didn't, I don't know. Life be, it's my whole life, to be honest. So it can be weird. Oh, like me and you both, I literally work. I, I do my work, my day-to-day -day job. Yeah. And as soon as I clock off, I'm working on other stuff. Yeah. Whether that's more projects or outreach related stuff or yeah it's so much I, I literally fun. just dedicate all my time to the space industry now oh it's fantastic I remember i was asking him harriet brettel this in episode two yeah two um yes weird to think that their episode like numbers i, I can't i think <laughs> of like oh conversation number 12 i can't i don't remember <laughs> but i remember i was saying how like maybe people oh no she was saying maybe people in like insurance or law like have societies in uni and start kind of having clubs in space in like law and or insurance friends like maybe they do but something about space the community is just so fantastic it's like oh my gosh these people it, i love yeah. you know absolutely the community i can't get over every everyone i've met in this industry is amazing yeah it's insane and they're just so just like genuinely passionate and kind yeah it's fantastic but also um when i think about um your degrees so you did physics undergrad and then an engineering postgrad so for people like me 
back in time, who were so indecisive about that and and just went in between physics and engineering back and forth so many times. Ended up landing on physics. Sorry. Oops. What are the similarities and differences? Yeah, you can tell people who are deciding between them. Yeah. Um, it's, it's quite a hard one because they are so similar. Yeah. See, now, because I come from physics, because that's fundamentally what I studied. Oh, yes. Um, it has given me such a broad background to be able to do engineering. Mm-hmm. So from a, I mean, from physics and science, you're, you're looking at the fundamentals and you're looking at why things work. Whereas engineering, you're kind of applying that knowledge and being able to make things work. It's, it's a hard decision to make. I, I, I think you have to go through various iterations of your career idea of what, or what you want to be doing because at least what I found was when I did my physics degree, I love physics. Physics is a fantastic topic. It's really interesting, but I didn't really enjoy the course. I didn't really enjoy my four years of doing it, not because of the content, but because it was, I realized now that it was too research focused. That's just not how my brain works. Like I'm not very good at sitting at a computer and just researching a topic. I'm more of a hands-on kind of, oh, we've got this project. I'm going to make it work and get things from it. So it's more of a internal, uh, it's more of an internal journey to figure out whether you enjoy the fundamental of how things work or basically being able to use some fundamentals to build things. It's, it's a tough, it's a tough decision between the two. And until you've got a taste of both of them, it's hard to make that comparison. People have different skills. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And you've got to find your, your skills, your niche, what you feel comfortable doing and what you feel you enjoy the most. Cause ultimately that's, that's what it's all about. Being able to find that position in a, a company or a job that you feel comfortable doing and you can push. Um, I, I feel like so many people go to university these days and, and the amount of people that have come out of it and said, no, they hated their degree. They're traumatized by it. Me being one of them, physics <laughs> degree, it wasn't necessarily for me until I actually realized that engineering was a thing. And I feel like too many people come out, don't enjoy their degrees and then just fall into a job where they do their nine to five, you know, they just, they pass the time, they get paid and that's kind of it. And they don't really get a taste of being in a role or a career path that is just so satisfying and rewarding and I, at least from my perspective, taking, well, I mean, four years of my master's in physics, two years working, and an additional year of another master's, that entire time, or and all that investment is 100%, 110% worth being in the job I am now. And I cannot express that enough. I, I go way beyond just doing my job now, because I just absolutely love it. And I rarely burn out because I just enjoy it so much. That and is so amazing to hear. You can just like, tell how much you love it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Uh, it's what I want. It's all we want. <laughs> I, go on. Oh yeah. I was just going to say, if, if you want, 
you need, you need to chase it, try it, yeah. take risks. It won't come like it won't be handed to you on a plate. You've got to find mm. what you enjoy the most. Yeah, honestly, just do what you love. And okay, I'm sorry if I said this on the pod a million times, but basically I'm so grateful that I found something that I love so much, which is like physics and astronomy and space travel and space flight and just everything to do with that industry. And then I found this career that I want to work in, hopefully, and like friends in the industry and just kind of, I don't know, just my space friends and life and people and interest. And I'm just so grateful that I found a subject and then people that I can share that subject with. And it's just so much fun. And it just makes every day more exciting knowing that you're working towards a subject that you love so much. And yeah, I, I, I'm obsessed. If you can't tell, like I'm obsessed with space. Okay, I have one question for you. Actually, I have many, but like, okay, in this context, I cannot stand when people say, most likely in like an inspirational quote from a CEO or something like that, when they're like, if you love what you do, you'll never do a hard day's work and you'll never work a day in your life. Something along the lines of that. I don't know, I just didn't like it because you, just because you love something and you're like really passionate about it, you still are working really hard at it. Like you can come home exhausted working at your degree all day, but you still love your degree. You just are exhausted. And I feel like that puts a really weird like stigma around it. And I feel like that gives work a lot of negative connotations because, oh, like I had the longest day at work today or I was revising for so long. Uh, like no one's gonna like, have, it's never gonna be the best all the time. And I don't know, I just think it puts a lot of negative connotations with the term of work and oh, if I work really hard at something, I don't love it, I guess, you know? And yeah, I just, because you're never gonna have a perfect day in terms of every industry, subject, degree, whatever it is, you're never gonna have a perfect day. So I don't know, if you're tired sometimes or didn't have the best day with it, doesn't mean that you don't love it. Like for physics, for example, if it's the final week of exams, I'm revising for like 10 hours, I'm not going to really love that 10 hours. Like, I can love the material, but I'm not going to really enjoy it when you're cram revising for exams, you know? It's like, I don't know. It just don't... I just don't like when people are like, you can't work hard what you do. Because I'm like, oh, is hard work bad? Is hard work and passion, when they mix, does that mean I'm not passionate about it? And I'm like, no! Sorry, rant, but what no, do you no, think of that? This, I, I love this rant. <laughs> what do you think? I, I kind of completely agree with you. It's... I feel like people that say um, these things are people that have been in jobs that they don't enjoy. Yeah. You know, and in, and until you find something you really enjoy. Also, work doesn't necessarily have to be tiring, exhausting, hard to do in terms of waking up in the morning to get yourself to the office. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that. But you, but these people may have fallen into that and then resembled work with that. Exactly. And there's some some of us who, oh, there seems to be like a, a category of people where a lot of people work to live mm -hmm. or people live to work. Yeah. You know? And again, it depends on the job and your career path and if you're enjoying it and making it exciting. But I can't, what I don't one day consider what I do as, okay, I'm working, but I'm also not working because I'm doing exactly what I love. Yeah. And just pumping energy into 
you know, pushing humanity's presence in the universe and in our solar system and understanding it. So I don't, I can't for the life of me think how I can ever consider this work. Back to like, think about me, my situation right now, just starting university, Mm -hmm. wanting to go into space sector, doesn't know much. Is there anything that you'd wish you'd known earlier that I should know now? Okay, that's interesting because first of all, your position compared to my position when I was in my first year of physics is completely different. <laughs> like, you are so much further ahead than me than I ever was. <laughs> so, you're absolutely killing it at the moment. Um, Thank so, you. But yeah. So, make it till you make it. <laughs> make it till you make it, yeah. I guess there's a bit of that. Um, but yeah, there's a couple of things. I, w- I wish I could tell myself to just keep going. Because yeah. the amount of... T- I've actually probably given this advice out a bit perhaps too often. Um, but... People have never heard it on the pod. so That's true, that's true. We, people... But, but we have like a... Yeah, the diversity of the global sector is interesting. There's many people that you've never met who are listening right now. So go for it. Yeah, no. Because um, it, it applies... It, to be fair, it applies for nearly every aspect of life. And I've learned this through going through physics to my job, to another degree, to yeah. then finally finding a position that I enjoy. And that is, you've got to realize that nothing's personal and it's all a bit of a statistics game, a numbers game. So, and number one, you alone are responsible for your own career. Just because you have a bad lecturer that's no excuse to fail that module. That's no excuse to put you off that career path because that's one individual trying to affect your career. Now, what you, at least what I found as an individual is that you have to chase a thousand opportunities. You have to plant a thousand seeds and just one of those will be fruitful. It's, a, it's, it's straight up a statistics game. You know, you, you have to be able to create the opportunity, not necessarily chase up them all because you very quickly, some of these opportunities will be like, well, yeah, this is definitely not for me. But there's some that will lead you to where you want to get to. Second point is, <laughs> well, this is more of an, on a personal note because, and you, to be fair, you may have felt this as well, is you've had an idea of what your career might be. You know, you've seen a job role open and you put all this time and energy into the application and preparing yourself for it. And you get emotionally attached to a particular career path or career opportunity. And once you, if you get rejected, which will happen way more times than you think, you, you lose energy, right? If you're emotionally attached to this, this path, you lose all that energy because you've just hit, you've just taken a major hit. Yeah. And I wish that I could go back and tell myself to let it go. You know, it's not like, it's not personal kind of shit. It's not personal. Right. Yeah. And you've got to realize that. And here comes the third point that the idea you have now or the direction you think you have now, it may not look like anything you have in the future. So my example would have been, I always liked woodworking and product design. But, well, that didn't cut out. I always wanted to be a professional badminton player. That didn't cut out. I did my physics. I wanted to do 
uh, I wanted to be a quantum physicist researcher, didn't work out. I wanted to do nuclear fusion and, and nuclear engineering, that didn't work out. I got my first job in the infrared optics manufacturing industry. And that was enjoyable, but again, I didn't really see my career there. So that didn't work out. And so each time you go through these different career paths, you're no doubt going to get emotionally attached to a particular idea. But you've got to realize that getting rejected by companies or, or opportunities, it's not personal at all, like whatsoever. And you've just got to keep, keep doing it. Just keep going and just don't stop. That is, it's that perseverance that really gets you to where you want to go. The more experience you can get, the more comfortable you're going to be in that environment. And it, again, I'm using this bad word that I said I didn't like before work, but the harder you work, the luckier you get. So in terms of statistics, mm-hmm. the more you said, if you have bad lecture, oh, yeah. then you need to work harder. And then, then you work harder and the more lucky you are in that like statistic of job opportunities oh, yeah. and everything. Because like, it, yeah, yeah, it's, it's not your fault. It's like there's nothing you can do about it. So you might as well figure out how to get around and stuff like that. Yeah, it almost sounds cliche to the point where if I'd say, I don't believe in luck. It's, it is ultimately you creating your own luck. You've got to put in the time to create the opportunities. Like it, it is a mountain to climb. <laughs> There's no way around it. And no path is linear. You're going to go up and down all over the place. Yeah. 100%. And I think if I was going into a job that, okay, well, yeah. So whenever I, I think, oh, I'm really stressed out because this space sector isn't that like straightforward and literally there's a whole podcast dedicated plug to just the space careers but I always think it's better than having the alternative which is having a job where it's just really straightforward and everyone has the exact same path because Mm -hmm. I know a lot of jobs that you need to have that because like for certain qualifications like medicine or things like that but when it's space like it's really cool like (laughs) I this is like I think seventh interview and no one's had a similar at all experience like in their career yeah. route like how'd you get to where you are today no one's had a similar explanation and i don't know i just be kind of boring like knowing what's ahead of me like exactly i don't know yeah. if that makes sense but yeah i also think that probably depends on what company i, I, I think there's different career progressions in different True. companies as well because um, yeah. some are very laid out for you like, in the engineering do you think it's more laid out than others because i guess it's a good thing in a way because you know it's more is it do you think it's more laid out in the space world than others and like i don't i don't know really it, it really depends on again i'm coming from a perspective where all i ever do is space stuff yeah Whether that's actually at work at home i'm pretty sure my parents hate me now by the amount of times i talk about space to them oh same no really same <laughs> it's so true like it's that's all i talk about yeah um so so maybe i'm just a a bad example here but all i ever do is put time into space mm-hmm. so i end up creating opportunities for myself at work yeah and so i can chase those opportunities and then that kind of switches my career path slightly to a a, a different road which like a standard road would be so again it, it, re- it also depends what your expertise is yeah in in space. in the space industry so I guess this, this is probably a good segue to what space systems engineering really is, because I never really know how to explain it. It's quite difficult to explain, but yeah. So space systems engineering is, I would describe it as the technical 
delivery of a project, whether that's a full space mission, a spacecraft, spacecraft instrument, one of the above. And as a space systems engineer, you're responsible for understanding and knowing the full mission design, you know, the, the bigger picture. And then you're responsible for managing your technical team's efforts to make sure you deliver technically. So actually to make sure your project or spacecraft works. And that, that comes in so many different varieties like day to day, whether it's, it's, it's another word for technical management almost because you're coordinating people's efforts. Sometimes it gets really technical on, on particular, again, so the problem with the space industry, I wouldn't say problem, this is the fun part, but there's loads of different phases of said space mission project. So you can go through a concept phase to make sure it's working, to come up with the concept originally and to basically beef it out with some numbers. And it just goes through each phase until you get obviously to commissioning and operations when it's actually flying. And a space mission could last no, three years to 20 years you know i mean just if you just look at the new horizons mission it spent seven odd years just getting to pluto and it requires staff to monitor its flight to pluto so it really does depend on what projects you're on in and what kind of job role you have definitely in, in that so it's it is so <laughs> It fluctuates a lot depending on what project you're on and where in the project you are. So fair enough. Yeah. With um, to your question about university, and we'll get on to the more real life questions. But um, what activities? Actually, yeah, space or not space? Let's make it interesting. Have you been involved with since starting university, and how do you think those have helped you in your mm. career now? That's a good question. Um, I think this is a good time to emphasize that. You don't need to be doing science related, mathematics related, engineering related extracurricular activities yeah. to improve your skill set for the industry. Um, the example I would use here actually was there, was there was quite a big turning point in my life where in my first couple of years at in my physics university, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast probably feel. <laughs> especially coming from a technical point of view where we're very technically minded is the amount of social anxiety that comes with presenting, talking to people, being in groups. Like there were days where I couldn't even leave the house, you know? And then I made a decision by myself where I spontaneously booked a three month trip to East Africa, where I basically volunteered in an orphanage, uh, teaching basically English and just doing general childcare. And in that environment, not only did I go by myself, which was improve my um, confidence, but I was also living in an environment where it was just bunk beds on top of each other in, in basically one room. So you had no personal space with other volunteers. So you very quickly had to learn how to cope in that, in that situation, in that environment. And although it wasn't an immediate effect, that was like the first step towards being where I am now, where I'm doing a lot of outreach and, and, and just being able to manage teams. And because a lot of the skills that you get, especially 
what you find in the space industry, there are geniuses, right? There are really smart people. But there's also a category that you, you need to be able to project manage and you need to be able to communicate with other people and, and coordinate people's efforts. And that comes from your soft skills, which you can get from, I mean, just traveling and doing things like that, that exposing you, putting yourself out of your comfort zone. And yeah, I mean, that That's was the example I would use. <laughs> That's incredible work. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm glad I did it. Yeah. And now I can't imagine traveling. Now, now I can't imagine not traveling no. alone because it yeah. was just so enjoyable. And That's I made so incredible. many friends. That is incredible. People don't realize experience doesn't have to be on internship or. No, um, absolutely like not. Do not like, underestimate the soft skills that you get from being part of a club. Yeah. In, in whatever capacity, whether it's engineering related or just sports, it goes a long way. I know we touched on this earlier about the kind of statistic of more you work, more effort you put into it, the luck you're going to get. But what is actually another practical example that students can do to make themselves more lucky? Actually, a really good question because, I mean, I, I was... I fell into the trap of wanting to get the best grade ever in my physics yeah. degree, which meant I was pumping silly hours into just revising and studying. And to be fair, I only really made a few friends because of that in my physics, you know, cohort. And I wasn't involved in anything other than studying for physics and obviously my, the Bamson side. So I was also captain and, and doing all that sort of stuff. But here's where everything changed for me basically was when I went back to Cranfield, I went with the mindset of, okay, yeah, I need to study hard because this is going to be difficult, but I also want to pump 50% of my time into developing contacts, into attending conferences. And one part of that was actually running for chair of CranSEDS, which is the local chapter of uh, UK SEDS and running that society then taught me basically to lead various other teams in different competitions. And this is where I, what I feel, this is what helped me stand out in my CV and just being a general good employee during these interviews was the fact that I took the initiative and was part of a club. And I was actively in getting involved with the industry. Because so often, I mean, it may be slightly difficult for a general physics student to understand which industry you should be like participating in and getting involved in. Because what, do I go for particle physics? Do I go for astronomy? Do I go for nuclear physics? You don't really know, but just by going to some of these conferences or getting involved with your physics society and then suggesting projects maybe, but Ultimately, it's all that additional stuff outside your course is equally as important as what you're learning. Because to be honest, now thinking back to my physics degree, I, I use maybe 5% of what I learned in my job now. And I should have been putting more time into being part of a club, developing relationships, going to conferences and, and that side of things. So don't, I get, I used to get very caught up in what grade I got 
And I used to spend a lot of time doing, studying hard and trying to get to that, that big first. I did in the end, thankfully. Yeah, I've seen your LinkedIn, I know. <laughs> I did in the end. Yeah, no. Before I do the podcast, I have a little LinkedIn stock and I'm going, <laughs> I, saw, I was like, wait a minute, you did get it first. Yeah, yeah, I did, I did, I did. <laughs> um, but I'm just saying that the, the other half of that could have been spent working on the soft skills and getting involved and, and that side of stuff. That's kind of what I regret about my doing my physics degree, which I changed in my Cranfield degree. And that's where it just kicked off. And because of that, times where our lecturers don't make sense. Yeah. I get nothing from the lecturers. So I, I always ended up um, basically self-teaching. Oh, yeah. Couple, me and my mates used to just teach ourselves basically because some of the lectures were so bad with changing careers you may advice for people like more practical tips about how to do that like effectively and smoothly i know it's a really yeah. daunting thing to go into but well not that i know but just how do you do that well yeah kind of? i i was fortunate because i'm still young i'm very early in my career so i wasn't really taking as big a risk as say somebody who's already midway through their life career you know I don't have any responsibilities as such I don't have a mortgage I don't have children so I, I was in a position to take that risk and I know a lot for a lot of other people that they, they have these commitments and responsibilities that they have to think about before taking a career change and that can be terrifying and daunting I completely get that but I do know that it, it exists and there in fact I'd say the majority of the majority of the people I work with they all come from the aerospace sector and the defense sector rather than they've gone straight into the space sector so everyone seems to seem to have migrated across again to make the transition probably a bit smoother perhaps evaluate the skill set you have because some of it can be transferable so for example, uh, a systems engineer, what you learn as a systems engineer and how you do your job is so transferable between different jobs. I can, I can jump into a, a, a new industry and um, get my foot in pretty quick. Um, so I, I, what I do is probably evaluate your skill set and take a look at what's transferable. And that will definitely help Move, make that move slightly easier but again it's hard to yeah it, it's a tough question but that's a good point just on a practical level to lay out all your skills and okay maybe it's either going from i don't know yeah, physics to engineering or engineering to consulting not like law to doctor to law to medicine you know it's like just more practical right. ways like okay if i want to change careers what kind of change that's the most effective like the most bang for your buck in a way like what can i actually like move towards what are the pros and cons of systems engineering versus any other engineering discipline? I don't have a good argument for that. It's just useful. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. It makes sense. It's like if you're like trying to work, you're trying to design a plane. I'll make a very basic example of like space engineering. It's a classic plane, not for me. Yeah. Interesting. But if you're overseeing the like materials, electricity, the power, the fuel, the, the thrust, right. everything you have to understand everything you can't just understand the wing thrust you know you need to all, do it all which makes complete sense 
Yeah, yeah. Um, and in the sense that as well, as it, at least as you get some experience as a systems engineer, yeah. you're going to be exposed to situations where you're talking to customers, you, you're really pushing on those soft skills. Now to be, so a systems engineer, it was almost like technical project management. So yeah. you get all those technical skills as well as being able to project manage. And you'll yeah. find that in some cases, at least that per, uh, career progression or people that rise in a company to senior level management types um, will be your systems engineers and your project management because of those soft skills. Definitely. Which you may not necessarily get as a, a specialist in a certain area. Mm-hmm. But then again, your systems engineer can't do that design. So everyone in the project is equally valuable, but it is to, it's a hard one because systems engineering is still a relatively new job concept. Yeah. It's may, it may be, it's been about for about 60 years, I mm. say, and it's only ever since systems projects, products have got more complex where yeah. a, a small group of individuals that are just designing part of it can't be able to can't design the rest of it because it's just so big and complex and you just need to manage that complexity it's that's a great example of how effective project management and systems engineering can be because honestly the amount of times that you really get just sucked into the detail Mm -hmm. where you just end up over engineering yeah part of the project and it completely ruins the rest of the project so, so bad it's yeah. awful and it's just and i look at those two products and actually the physics and the engineering on the air turbine air yeah thing was so much better than the wind turbine like so much better but the wind turbine was pretty like crap work to be honest like we weren't great but we got a good grade on it and passed because we just it all worked out and there was no issue it was a wind turbine that lifted a cup of pennies that was it yeah and the air cannon we tried to make so fancy complicated when it was just it just didn't it literally failed it would not turn on because we didn't communicate the exact like the code didn't fit and it was yeah. so the exact um mass so it was so it could have been easily fixed and it was just like okay we just yeah it's awful but um so yeah so with that like kind of overseeing system engineering overseeing the whole entire project management can you outline how that project typically runs in the space sector for you oh yeah um start to beginning well to, well to be honest i don't i couldn't say anything about um, other companies aside from my own, because I think how you run projects is probably very company focused. Um, so at least what happens at Rao Space, we we have a project, and at the top of that project you have obviously project management, you have systems engineering, and you also have project uh, product assurance. And these would be your basically management of the project and the ones that are driving the work. Then stemming from that, you have um, your mechanical engineers, software engineers, thermal engineers. You have, well, again, it depends what the project is, but you could have like mechanisms and you have your different subsystems. And even the subsystems in themselves, they could have their own team. So, it, again, it depends what projects you're on and what your your contracts are with different organisations. But 
Our space would typically take on a project that's a spacecraft instrument. So we'd be the prime contractor for a spacecraft instrument. We'd be responsible for designing it, testing it. Um, but there may be a, another prime, say NASA or ESA, who are controlling the full mission. Yeah. And so companies end up bidding for different parts of the mission. Oh, yeah. And once enough. they win the bid, then that becomes their project and they got to deliver that to the overall project. I think it's good to remember that when you see a NASA or SpaceX, whatever it is, spacecraft go up, it's not actually built by NASA. Well, yes, a lot of it is, but it's built by like the sub companies like Rocketdyne, right. Yugodyne, um, Boeing, whatever it is. It's not just. I was like, do, while doing those projects, what are good qualities that engineers can have? And Ooh. name one bad quality too. Oh, you put just me make in the it, Just to make it uh, awkward. Oh <laughs> um, it, it may be personal, but yeah. a quality that I like is engineers being honest. Yeah. Because the amount of times, I mean, I'm guilty of it too. Before, the amount of times I've gone into, say, a meeting and pretended I knew what I was doing, <laughs> what I meant. And the amount of times I've been in a meeting or, or been talking to someone and I've asked them to do something, but then a week later they haven't done it because they didn't really understand what I was saying. So I, I really value people giving me feedback about what I've asked them to do. Or, or in, in the same case, I give them, give somebody feedback about what I'm supposed to do just so there's a bit more clarity because the amount of times that there's just miscommunication um, I, I do like that quality in, in people because it, it also helps with, I can say this from a personal point of view, <laughs> it helps with the imposter syndrome. I tell you that if you don't, if you don't bullshit yourself, yeah. then you're never going to get caught out. Don't ever pretend, yeah. don't ever try and pretend or don't ever try and bullshit your way through it. If you don't know what you're doing, because yeah, that just creates, yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so true. Like, you see, everyone's been there where you're like, oh, I don't deserve to be here. I shouldn't be here. I don't know what I'm talking about. So just don't say anything, basically. Just be honest. If, if or don't, you don't, or don't not say anything, but don't like say anything that's wrong, you know? Like just, if you don't know it, yeah, don't you, say anything. Yeah, just, just, if you don't understand, say you Ask. don't understand. Yeah. Like, it, at first it may be terrifying, but honestly, there is yeah. so much appreciation for someone who can accept that. Yeah. So with the project kind of management days, what does a typical day at work look like for you from like when you yeah. start to finish? I remember we mentioned the tap out, tap in system at the panel. You were saying how yeah. you have it. Yeah, What's so like? I would I would drive to work. I well, we work we contracted for seven point four hours. Uh, we have like this tap in system. So I drive to work, park up, go over to my little tap in station, tap in, tells me when I've arrived at work. Uh, I can tap out for lunch, tap back in, tap out once I've finished. And it just basically keeps track of all the time I've spent working. At first, it sounded a little bit micromanagey, but it actually works so well because what you can do is you can build up time and you can take that time as flexi time. So if, if you do an extra half an hour every day, you can basically take Friday afternoon off. And then yeah. if you build up enough hours, you're allowed to take two flexi days per month. That's amazing. It really does enforce more of a work-life 
it's really nice. It is really, really nice. And even if you don't have any other external factors that influence like what time you can work better at, it's still like we're humans like sometimes we just can't work like yeah. there's some days where i'm just like i can't i can't read this i have just no idea what i'm doing i just need like a break and there's parts where I'm just like i just can't work right now just like can't yeah. and then you yeah, go yeah. home have a break i'm gonna run or something and go back to it and you can't you can't force it when it's not there no absolutely and this is what i particularly like about stfc yeah. is that they really focus on the employee's health and their satisfaction and happiness in the job like they, we run, we run things like um, mental health awareness days and training, and all these sort of things, and they really promote and encourage you to take your holiday, take your leave. We've got the flexi system so that if you did need the afternoon off, you take it off. You know, it, it's just so everyone's there for everyone's there for the science and the engineering for one, and second of all they care a lot about the employees, which you may not get in perhaps a really commercial company where it's driven by money, but, um, but I really haven't been in one of those scenarios to really, to make that comparison, but it's just so nice where I work. You can tell by the way you talk about it. You're just like happy talking about it, you know, and you're like yeah. proud to be from that company. Oh, which is I, amazing. Oh, I love it. I love it. I really do. It's really, really nice there. And so here's the other thing that's quite nice as well is, Going back to that imposter syndrome uh, topic, the company that I work for, they're open about these things. Yeah. You know, in 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 just we, we have like graduate conferences and stuff there, so it's just for everyone in STFC to have their own little conference, and we have like a a panel for management, and somebody brought up imposter syndrome, and everyone is just so open about having it because everyone does have it and nobody's afraid of being able to talk about these topics. So it's, it's just nice to be in an environment that's just supportive of the employee. Okay. Big question, but where do you see yourself in five years? That, this is always a tough one for me because I've, because of the lesson, lessons I've learned as I've gone through my career so far, I've learned that the ideas I have now, what my career will be, may not necessarily be the ones they will be in five years time. So what I end up doing is responding to the opportunities around me. So, well, first of all, never did I think I'd be a space systems engineer and I only really embarked on this journey, what, a year and a half ago, two years ago. So I respond to the opportunities, whether that's, so at the minute I'm getting quite a lot of experience in mission analysis and the orbital mechanics side of of designing a space mission and these opportunities just keep coming my way so i'm going to keep pushing that until i've exhausted it or if it goes even further and i get to design an interplanetary mission or whatever it is but i will respond to the opportunities around me or even the respond to the opportunities i end up creating because now now that i'm comfortable here in my job i've i've mentioned i founded a experimental rocketry association and i'm putting a lot of energy and time into it because i can see the potential for it to grow and so i'm going to be pushing these projects and just seeing where they go chasing them even if they are a dead end i've learned a lot doing it but this is part of the statistics game you know if i'm not doing that i'm going to be pumping my energy into something else so five years time uh (laughs) 
a, a very good systems engineer. <laughs> I don't really know, to be honest. I, I, I do like, I do like the, the project management systems engineering side of stuff. And I do have, I've always in the past tried to create more technical experience for myself, trying to expose myself to more technical projects. But what happens is when I create them, I end up finding a team that wants to do it with me, but they end up needing a vision to follow. You know, they end up needing someone to project manage. So I always end up falling into that role of principal investigating. So what I, I, I would love to principal investigate as, as a future career type oh, thing. Oh, that's so cool. Again, it, it's all yeah. speculative at the moment because I respond to the opportunities, but it will be super cool to come up with this idea and see it all the way through. That's, yeah. So I don't know where that takes me five years time, but hopefully along that path. That's amazing. <laughs> I think... Yeah, I always think whenever, whenever I ask the question, everyone has like they're like, yeah, same exact answer. It's like we we hope we just don't know. You you never predict yeah. like what you want to do in the space sector. That's what I love about it. It's just I don't know. It's just fun. I can't imagine not having something that. Yeah, I can't imagine space up. I think you you can agree. Like, what would our lives be in that space? It's like, that's just it. That's like our whole. Yeah. Yeah, it's like my, yeah, friend group degree, <laughs> extracurricular. Actually, family's pretty separate from space, but yeah, it's like three out of four. But um, if you have some like, little fun, if you, have, if you still have time, extra questions that are very fun. Yeah. Not fun, but okay. So you knew I had to ask about this. What inspired you to create such like an online presence? It's so cool. You have 20,000 followers, I think. Everyone yeah, thinks yeah. it's the coolest like, thing. Like I tried to become Instagram famous. It failed. Like that's for space. That is so cool. How did you do that? I was bored. But like, how did you just like... Decide to get the well, idea. I, so I was in my previous job. Yeah. Is when I started it. <clears throat> and so naturally, uh, <laughs> within a year of my job, I was, I was starting to read NASA blogs daily. You know, I, I was, yeah. ended up being just absolutely consumed by space exploration, space mission design, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I needed a way to channel my energy because it really does build up yeah. if you can't tell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I end up just, oh, how do I channel it? I don't have any, yeah. at that time I didn't have any space friends. I didn't oh. really, I didn't really think space engineering was a thing. Yeah. I thought it was for people that were very, very clever. And oh, same. That's why I didn't. <laughs> NASA or ESA. Yeah. Um, but just as a curse, it's not. Like yeah. you don't have to be a genius. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, I just, I just needed a, a platform to channel my energy. And I it love just, that. It just grew. And it, and like, it's been about two, two years, maybe. And I just like schedule my posts once a week. And yeah. that's so cool. I love that. That's so cool. I just think it's the coolest idea. That's just, that's awesome. Cause I think when I think of, um, was it, do you have Twitter as well for, um, space as well? Or is this mostly Instagram? Uh, Instagram is is the main platform yeah. here. Um, my, I do have Twitter, but it, it's not. It, it's more of a spacey. personal Twitter. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. It's not like the spacey one. Um, but yeah, I, we just think it's the coolest thing. We're all like Steven's Twitter famous. Not Twitter famous. Steven's Instagram famous. This is so cool. <laughs> it's cool. But also, big like news. Um, your YouTube channel 
amazing oh, yeah. first video. This is another one of my secret projects. Out my comfort zones because I need to channel my energy because I've got way too much of it, <laughs> and I'm stuck at. I shouldn't say stuck at home. I'm safe at home. Yeah. And I, all I do is work all day. Like I, I've really struggled to say, oh, this is when I should stop working. <laughs> So yeah. I just end up, like I said, I just keep thinking of things as a way to channel my energy and to inspire others and just to take it to the next level or something. And a YouTube account was kind of, it was always in my mind, yeah. but you realize that talking to like a camera is really freaking difficult. Oh, it's so weird. <laughs> I'm so happy I have to do that. It's the mic, my little microphone friend is just, that's it. But um, yeah, I just... That's so cool. I just think that's the coolest thing. I remember, so of course, I will link it in the description, um, the YouTube channel and Instagram and stuff. But um, so I saw this video. It's been, it's amazing. Do you want to talk about like just the gist of it a bit? First video? The video? Yeah. yeah I, well, it, I liked it. I thought I'd start off with a topic that I was actually, I knew a lot about. Yeah. Because I do a lot of mission analysis and orbit design in my day job at the minute. So actually, a lot of my work over the past couple of months has already been um, designing trajectories and, and doing mission analysis through SDK, which is a software tool, and MATLAB. So I, I thought I'd start off with something I knew a lot about because the physics background and the space engineering background is, is a strong foundation for orbital mechanics. So yeah, I, th I thought I'd just talk about how to analyze your orbit's trajectories and and generate data on it. It is amazing, and it's so approachable as well. It's not. I find that a lot of physics videos um are very like serious, and they're for vision. And you have to like, sit down and like really. But I just watched it just for fun, not for any sort of like tech. Well, I, I wasn't going to do. I actually did pull up MATLAB and tried, but it it worked for ten minutes, and then I yeah, it just didn't last. I was trying to like pause the video, and, like copy your code. <laughs> um, it didn't work. It didn't work. Um, but. Yes, it's fantastic, and that, yeah, it's amazing. And it's just please make more, just for. I, I, I plan on doing it. I got a lot of good responses. Um, I yeah, I've like I said, it's. I want to do it more because I know. Um, I mean, at work they're starting to offer um, media training, so learning how to talk to the media and stuff, which I'm oh. hoping to uh, jump onto that training as well. So, and in. So here's another great selling point to uh, SFC. Oh yeah, go for it. Their appraisal system is insane. Oh. So every, once a year, obviously in, in a company, you sit down with your line manager and your senior line manager, blah, blah, blah. And you talk about uh, your own personal goals, how you think the job's going. Uh, and it, this should be a thing in every company, but some companies take it less seriously and others more. But at least here at STFC, it is, it's a full thing. It's like a good month and a half worth of making sure you've got objectives down, where you want your career to go. You have, you have just casual conversations with all your managers of what you want from your career. Yeah. At, at least one of my objectives was to do some more outreach and media and, and become more of a public figure type. Um, and so all of this, what I'm doing is kind of pushing that angle to it. That's amazing, though, that they have the appraisal because the advice and feedback from people who work, the invaluable data they can get. Mm -hmm. That's so nice yeah. that they actually listen to it. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so with that whole, like, sharing science, 
I feel like it's quite hard to get like, on social media. Everyone just watches like E News and the Kardashians, but it's kind of hard to get people like interested in science. Do you, do you find this hard? Like, oh yeah, yeah, just kind of like, yeah. Uh, I know it's really good to share science online, but what are the good and like bad things about or like not bad things, but just like limitations that come along with that? Right. Yeah. So, um, thankfully, space is an easy sell. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, especially if if you're on Instagram, which is a very visual platform and you're posting very visual based content, it's thankfully it's quite it's an easy sell, right? But yeah, I'd um science, space is an easy sell. But it, it depends what platform you seem to be trying to push your online presence. Instagram is very visual. So I try my best to keep the content very visual. I'm very new to the YouTube scene. Whether I keep going with it or not, we shall see. I hope I do. Please do, because it was just, it was so approachable. And I just, uh, I like how you had the whole, like, your face talking and then the tech. And then you explained it and, like, the voiceover led to the moon. And Yeah. Well, I, I always found that in terms of, like, media, People like to see people. So, so I use other Instagram accounts and other public figures and or influencers, if you will, um, to kind of not copy them, but use them as a, as a guideline. And what I recognize is a lot of them kind of try and pump their personality into their accounts. And for the past year or two, I haven't been doing that, which is why I've started to do some like the YouTube things because people like to see people, you know, you want to get to know get to know the people behind the account and, and their job and that they're they're not just a robot you know so um yeah it, it's it's a strange one it's definitely not my forte <laughs> no it's so um, good yeah i, I try I, I try to produce content and inspire people and Thank you so much for listening to today's episode with Stephen. Be sure to check out our websites, spacecareers.uk and uksets.org for all the latest careers information and other news going on in the space world. Houston, uh, Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed.